0: Welcome to another episode of the Elite Selling Podcast. We are your hosts, Frankie and Griffin. Today we are joined by our good friend, Keith Rabkin. Keith is the Chief Revenue Officer at PandaDoc. And Keith has held multiple leadership positions, not just in sales, but in go-to-market, in growth, in partner management, at companies like Google, Adobe, Security Scorecard, and more. And today we're talking to Keith about what enterprise sellers do specifically around customer focused and being customer centric and what that actually means, what you need to do to be a customer focused seller and why it's so important. And before we jump into this episode, if you're liking our content, if you're listening to this episode, please do Frankie and me a favor, like, subscribe, share this episode. Without further ado, here is our good friend, Keith. Welcome to the Elite Selling Podcast. Thank you for jumping on, how are you today? Doing great, thank you for having me. It is our pleasure, it is Friday afternoon. Frankie and I are ecstatic to have you on to talk about elite sellers in your opinion. Uh, And I know just given your experience, we talked about really what an elite seller means to you, all the different characteristics, but there was one key theme that came across, which is elite sellers are customer focused. Frankie and I would agree, obviously, but we'd like for you to kind of go a little bit deeper on what that really means to you uh, uh, around customer focused selling.
1: So I think in terms of elite sellers being customer focused, there's a couple of things. The first is you've got to understand what co- keeps your customer up at night. Um, that could be the state of the business. It could be understanding um, what they're doing to get in front of uh, their customers, how they sell the different challenges that the business is facing, but you're only going to get a couple shots in front of your executives that you're selling to and your prospects. And so it's really important to be able to put yourself in their shoes. Um, I still remember like this one book that I read in high school and it was like about taking a walk in another person's shoes to try to understand them. And I believe that elite sellers are those who can do that Um, because you understand your customer, you're able to relate to them. You're able to put things in a way that resonates with them. And you're able to find that win-win value that they get something they need and you get the sale. Um, so that's really important. I also believe that the best customer-centric sellers sell on pain, right? We all talk about value-based selling, but uh, while customers love that, pain is what they care about solving. And so I think a version of fear, tapping into that pain and how you can help them avoid it is a really big motivator.
2: Yeah. Everyone wants to talk about the feel good stuff, but what gets people to move and make a decision is pain fortunately or unfortunately at least at least we know it now, at least if you're listening to this podcast so great call out. what would you say like value right it's beyond it's beyond the steak dinners, it's beyond buying people drinks, buying people christmas gifts right like what is something that's of true value? You kind of touched on a few points, but like give us a little of an example of that.
1: I think there's like, what, what motivates the person that you're talking to, right? And it's, it's what motivates them from a business perspective, but also intrinsically as a person, right? Do I, am I afraid of looking bad in front of my boss? I actually recently had this conversation with a sales exec at a pretty big company. And I was asking them, you know, do you ever worry about missing your forecast in front of the CRO, right? That has actually nothing to do with their business results and everything to do about their personal relation and their personal career growth. And if I can help solve that problem, then I make them look good. They know they're gonna avoid looking bad in front of their boss and maybe I can get that sale. And they were like really interested in that. So that personal pain is one thing, fear. uh, It could be business results. Like I don't wanna miss my revenue target. My company's spending too much money. Um, it takes too long to upload documents. That's something we solve at Panda doc. Like how often do you go through this pain of like, as a seller, wasting your time, moving data back and forth between systems. If you can tap into that, like, are you worried about spending too much time moving things around and wasting time on documents versus being in front of customers and selling, doing what you do well. Suddenly you're tapping into this thing. That's really visceral and intrinsic, and you move beyond this rational sale to something that is is like deeply rooted in what the person wants to do and what they care about.
0: Yeah. You 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 you're talking about empathizing with your customers and put like you said putting yourself in their shoes and understanding and it kind of coming with a point of view around this is what I think might be keeping you up at night and this is something that we're helping our customers solve and the challenges they're running into. One thing that I think sellers struggle a lot with is moving, moving, be a uh, moving on in a sales cycle. Once they've found surface level pain, as opposed to they hear forecasting is a challenge. Okay, great. Forecasting is a challenge. I've checked that box. I found pain. Now I'm going to move on as opposed to, okay, forecasting is a challenge. What about forecasting is a problem? How big of a problem is this? I think as sellers, we're so, we're so, um, we're optimistic, we're positive, we want to be liked. And so we're, we're, we hesitate to really dive into pain because we don't want to be linked with, with pain. We don't want to have a negative conversation. We like to keep it positive. So what do you say to sellers, either in your organization or up and coming sellers that like, how do you coach them to get really deep into that pain and why it's so important?
1: I like to keep it positive while I'm talking about okay. pain. I think one of the tricks is if you can anchor on that pain And then tease a little, right? Um, I know sellers can be, you know, have a lot of personality sometimes, sometimes. And uh, you can tap into that, like, oh my God, like that, that's really tough. I think I can solve that for you. But before I do that, let me get a little bit deeper. Let me understand exactly why this is so painful for you. And, you know, you're holding out the hope, like you're tapping this, like this, this uh, glimmer of the promised land for them without getting into it. And I think oftentimes sellers just want to jump ahead. You're like, okay, I got them. I got the T's in. It's time to move forward. Let's move this from S1 to S2. Just hold on, take your time, get with the customer, let them, let them understand that you're in it with them and tell them you're going to solve it. You're going to tell them how you're going to solve it, but like keep going deeper to understand their perspective. And I think that's, how we work it, um, or how I try to get my team to work it.
2: Yeah. There's, there's definitely an art to it. You don't want to just go down the line asking blunt questions, but have a little finesse to it. So that's and why you got to bring your
0: personality, Frankie. That's what I've been trying to tell Frankie, you know, you've yeah, been there, working huh? on
2: this for a long time, Griff. It's, it's still not working. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that's all right. I'll coach you up. I'll coach you up. Appreciate you always, mm-hmm. always saving my butt. What else do people need to know about being customer focused, Keith?
1: I think it's okay to tell the customer no, I mean, hmm. or tell them they don't need something. I love it when sellers like, you don't need that. Cause like instantly I trust them. If you're not trying to sell me the feature I don't need, um, that's a great sign. Like, I know you're in it with me. I think, you know, a few minutes ago, we talked about trying to find that win-win where the customer gets the value and the seller gets the deal. Well, show them you're in it with them, right? This is not about getting the sale and getting out and I'm handing you off to the CSM. This is like, I'm here for you. And I'm not going to just sell you something because I make more commission or I get a bigger deal size. I'm here to give you the thing that's actually right for you. And the moment you can tell them, oh, you know what? You don't need that. Like, There's no way I'm going to sell you that package. It's not right. Like you've built this trust and suddenly they're like, oh, well, maybe if he's not selling me this, I actually do need the thing uh, that he or she is telling me to buy.
2: Yeah, it's like it's, it's like, like going learning. to a going to a restaurant asking for the recommendation, and they don't tell you to buy the most expensive bottle of wine. They're like, "This is the middle of the road." You're like, "All right, now I'm buying more from you." So yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I mean, a good point. how
1: often is it? Like, where someone tells you you don't need something, and you're like, "I really trust you, and I want to buy more." Like, I love this interaction. That's it's what like, you want. They're going to like reverse converting.
0: psychology. It's weird. But do you feel the same way about disqualifying a potential client? Like do you do you think that it's important to say, you know, for reps to say, "Hey, look, based on what I've learned so far, I don't think we're a good fit. I think we should, you know, we we should we should not be working together." Do you feel that it's it's the same ballpark or do you feel like they're a little bit different?
1: If you really believe it, I do. Yeah. Because I think what's going to happen is you're just going to churn that deal out later, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's say you can get them over the line. That customer is going to be unhappy with your company. They're going to tell everybody what a bad experience they had. Suddenly word gets around uh, your churn stats as a company go down and yeah, maybe you got the commission and maybe you even make it through without a clawback, but the long run impact is worse where people start to say, you know what, the selling process was BS and it didn't make sense. And they're trying to force fit something I didn't need. And the company's losing customers and your CSMs are unhappy with you it's not worth it to me. Like I want to do what's right for the customer. Cause I believe that's going to build long-term value. They may go refer someone like, wow, these sellers are great. You know, they're, they're not trying to force me into something I don't need. Mm-hmm. So I really believe in doing right by the customer, even if it's a, a, a DQ. Yeah.
0: So outside, so outside of, outside of saying no, or showing that you're not trying to sell them things that they don't need. And and really being customer focused, like, What else can reps do to really build trust with their current clients and prospective clients? Give us some, give us some action items for some sales reps.
1: I would say make things easy. Um, there's this one seller I can think of who's selling into me, into my company and she's just making it so pleasant, so easy. The information she sends me, it's always customized to what I need. Um, do I want a video? Do I want a paper? Do I want like one slide? Ask your ask your customer and look, you probably have great enablement materials at whatever company you're at. But if it takes one minute to go record a video where you're taking a paper and vocalizing it so your customer can watch it on their phone and if they prefer it that way, that's fantastic. Or take a paper, put it in chat, GBT, your, your CIO might not like that, but they'll you know, have it summarized into like a bite-sized tip that's super helpful Um, make a referral anything where it meets with what the customer wants and the way they want to digest that information because they're so busy. If you can make the the information that you have land for them, that's so powerful.
2: Yeah. That's great. Uh, I love it. Where is there like software that she's using to make it easier or is it just like old school are you you notes over here? I'm like, come on. <laughs> Everyone's thinking it. How do you get better? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Come on. There's some like there's a lot of deal rooms out yeah. there now, And I think some of them are kind of clunky. Right. Some are easy. You know, I thought I, mean, I was asking. Yeah, I think that I and I don't want to give it away because we give away the company she's at. Okay, don't say it then. Yeah, but some of the deal rooms, I think, even though like I'm really amazed, like in this case, they had a mutual action plan in the deal room. The way it was formatted, was just so well done, made it really easy for me to digest, made it easy for me to send to my RevOps team. That was super helpful, but what was even better was I frankly don't like clicking in the links, like I'm kind of an email fiend. So she just stuck, stuck the information right in the email. And then it was right there and easy for me to digest. Like That's not a very hard thing. I don't think I'm a very hard customer. But uh, you know she's, she's quickly figured out too that I respond to emails quickly. I read the stuff that's in an email and the stuff that's in the room is great for me to send to others, but not as great for me to read. And so she does a good job of multi-threading using the room. But for me to consume new information, she just sends an email with it right in the email instead of having an attachment that I need to go click through and read.
2: You're going to have a a bunch of people emailing you once this goes
0: live. I (laughs) know. So, Keith, you 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 took an interesting path in your career, starting at Charles Schwab and UBS and and uh, and Google on some of the you know uh, operations manager side on the marketing side, like. And now, obviously, you know, running sales at at PandaDoc, and, and you've run sales at Security Scorecard. Like, where along your career did you form this? this passion for customer focus was this early on in the career outside of sales when you noticed this and you brought that in you know from day one or was this you know hey when you got further down your path in sales leadership you really focused on like okay my team I'm gonna build a team that is one hundred percent customer focused where along this journey uh, did this happen
1: yeah it was really outside of sales um, and okay. so I like to think that I grew up as a leader, as a manager, as a business person at Google. I spent 10 years there. And one of the first principles they drill into you is to follow the user. And it just stuck with me. I joined there in 2007. It was like right in the middle of hyper growth. And it was just an amazing time to watch this company that has since become so ingrained in our life. Look at what customers were doing trying to anticipate their needs and always try to do the right thing for the customer. So that was really important to me. I took it with me. I've taken every single job since then. Um, And it was followed up by this mentor I had who was my manager for two years who came back to it. He was like customer centricity in everything. Don't do it if it's not customer centric. And why did that resonate? not just because of my time at google but when i like look at the marketplace of companies that i respect and companies that i think have done phenomenally well they follow the user amazon right they just make it so pleasant so easy to transact that you don't even go looking for a better price anymore half the time i mean sometimes you do but like it's because it's so easy uh like i just bought a pair of shoes they were too small I got to return them. Like, I don't have to do anything except, you know, click a button on my phone. And when I go to whole foods, drop them off when I'm already doing my shopping. Netflix, like another one. It's just like the easiest software to use. It's so convenient. I'm probably dating myself, but like, I remember going to the store and like dropping off, you know, the videotapes or like having a mail, the DVDs that all went away, they were the first ones to do it. And they reaped the rewards. I think, you know, another one, maybe more modern, is Figma. On the Mm B2B side, like it's just this beautiful product that's so elegant. Everything's done simultaneously in the cloud. And that customer centricity just goes so far um and makes people successful and they love the product.
2: Yeah. I kind of miss those days of going to the to the blockbuster though. (laughs) That was fun. That was 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 the Saturday night. Yeah, Yeah, man. So I I a point on the Amazon thing. I can't remember the exact story behind it. But I know that when they were reworking the app, they, they were like, there's too many clicks to make this happen. So they like went from three clicks to two to one. And like every single time they did that, like their sales just skyrocketed. So I think going back to your point about that, um, woman who's selling to you, she's just making it so easy where she could easily just go into, you know, a seismic or a high spot, grab some generic content, flip it over to you, probably get a decent job. But like, we're talking about her on the podcast because she's like, what are those next easy clicks for Keith so that he doesn't have to go search for it? Don't make people chase for new material. Don't make people go look for things when you're trying to sell them something. So I think that applies to sales. It's like, how can you go that extra mile, make it that one less click for your customer?
1: I think it's a great point. I mean, if you treat, you, if you treat the sale like a product, like you're turning your sales process into the Amazon mobile app of how you get them to buy and you optimize that for what you know about this customer, you're gonna have a more successful outcome. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and you'll build that brand because the world is small, people are gonna talk about you. So eventually you'll have sales coming to you, hopefully.
1: We see that all the time. I mean, we have customers who have amazing experience with our sales reps at PandaDoc and they refer customers and we've started to really tap into that and you know try to double down on that customer centricity because we know it leads to a great experience. That's awesome. So Keith,
0: what's what's something that you see sellers miss often when it comes to delivering that great customer experience or de, de, um, being that customer focused rep? What's something that often gets overlooked or missed in the sales process or even the uh, customer customer management process?
1: I would say be authentic. You know, I think a lot of times sellers have a personality and it's a it's a very hard job. Like you've got to be on all the time. You've got to be entertaining because if you're not entertaining, like and I don't mean like entertaining, like you know, necessarily funny, but you've got to keep them engaged. Engaging maybe is a better term. There you go. Yeah. Um but you know, you can put on a front, and the moment you have that front, if it's not really who you are, your customer is gonna. Is sniff it out. They're going to feel like you're hiding something or they're going to think you're tricking them. And it's, that's going to create a gap between you and them, which is going to prevent you from helping them get to the value. So I think it's really important to establish an authentic brand that you're comfortable showing up in day in and day out, even when it's a bad day, you know, it doesn't mean you have to act like super high. It doesn't mean you have to act all like uh slick It's just like, be yourself, let that come through. And I think that goes a long way with customers. And it ties back into what we were saying about like being willing to say no, being willing to tell them what you have isn't what they need. That is being authentic.
2: Yeah. I remember when I first started in in tech sales, I was working for Cisco and I felt like the dumbest person in the room probably because I was because everybody's so smart over there. And you're just like trying to, I remember I was trying to make up all this stuff. And then eventually I was like, people can just smell it right away. And when you just say, oh, I don't know, or let me go find that answer for you. It puts, it takes the pressure off of you.
1: I I remember that same lesson, like a long time ago in my very first job at Charles Schwab, where one of my bosses was like, if you don't know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, you don't know, just say, I don't know. I'm going to find that out immediately and I'll get right back to you. And I think that's another way to just establish that credibility with your prospect. I don't know, I'm going to find out and I'll get it back to you today. And it's another chance for you to have an interaction, but it also shows that, you know, you're not there to BS them or give them the wrong answer.
0: I had this similar experience at uh, my uh, old company, Barracuda, and I was probably a, a year in and I was on a call without one of my sales engineers. And, uh, you know, we had probably six or seven technical senior technical specialist come on and grill me with some questions. We had an hour long call and I remember in the first five minutes I was like, I could try and BS my way through this meeting or what I did was I just said, look, I think there's been a miscommunication. I am not a technical expert. I do not want to waste another 55 minutes of your time. Why don't we t- pause here? Let's reschedule and let me make sure I've the right resources on because I don't want to waste your time. And... The reaction that I got was very appreciative and very genuine. Like, thank you. We appreciate your honesty. It's okay. Let's reschedule. So that to me was kind of the light bulb moment of you're allowed to say, I don't know. And you're allowed to raise your hand and just be genuine and be honest about that. that did, you close, did you close the deal or what? You know, I can't comment on, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> you can I say, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was going to be
2: the roast of Griffin Riley on that thing. I'm glad. you. That's right. Oh, that would have been fun. That would have
1: been fun.
0: So
2: Keith, anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners that we
1: haven't touched on? I mean, I think it's table stakes, but you have to do your homework. Right. And I don't, you know, it's very, again, that like inauthenticity is really easy to sniff out. So when somebody does like the, the cursory homework, um, it It's like, I knew you just like looked at my LinkedIn and grabbed the first post and read that, but where you actually do your homework and you're like, okay, not only did I see the company you're at in the company before, but I looked through your entire history. Like the fact that you went all the way back to Charles Schwab for my history, which is a long time ago. Um, it's like, you've done some homework. If you know that like my career progressed through these different things and I'm a non-traditional CRO because I didn't grow up in sales. And so, hey, I may have a different take than someone who's been in sales for 20 years. That's great. If you've read one of my articles versus you've read all my articles, you can sense a theme on those articles. It's like, how much do you want it? Um, Yeah, that's a lot of work. But when you do that work, you get all this insight into the person. Go read the 10K on the company. What are they struggling with now? Is there a way you can help them? Um, What do you know about the other execs who I'm working with? What do you think they might care about? right? Now it's this, we've got the economic buyer as well. So like, what do you think my CFO cares about? Have you gone and researched him? That kind of homework is the next level that can help you be more customer centric and also understand some of what might be going on in my mind beyond what's happening in the sales process.
0: Absolutely. I think that it's just such an easy way to stand out with just a little bit of homework. I mean, if you're willing to do more homework and the more prepared you are in a conversation, it just gives you this level of confidence that you know you're gonna stand out because you're knowledgeable about the person you're speaking with and the company that they work for and the goals that they're trying to solve. If you can come in with that point of view, it, it will just help you shape a point of view. And I think that that's what elite sellers bring to the table is not just the homework, but okay, then so what? What is your point of view about problems that you can help solve? Because if you can get to that point fast, you're going to be respected and you're going to look, you'll be looked at as that trusted advisor. Spot on. So let's jump into some resources that you often recommend to sellers. And again, we talked about this. It can be relative to this topic of customer centric, or it can just be anything that has made a difference for you in your career.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna give some. I don't know if these have ever been given on your podcast. Yes, let's, let's go. See, They're a little bit different than maybe some of the like never split the difference. I'm sure how many times it's <laughs> <that's laughs> different. One, which is great. It yes. is great. But um, all right, we'll see if we can give something different. So the first thing I would recommend is go read the Google IPO letter. It's it's a couple of years old at this point, but there's a whole section on serving users as the focus of the company. It's also in a document called the nine principles of innovation that Google produced. And I I just think it's brilliant. I mean, there's plenty of things Google has maybe not done as well over the years, but the core principles that the company was founded on is amazing. And I continue to refer back to the nine principles of innovation, and I think it will serve sellers well. So that's my first. Um, The second is my all-time favorite business book. It was actually given to us as a gift when I was at Adobe. I was like, I don't know about this book. It's called The Heart of Business. I think the Mm -hmm. name maybe turned me off a little bit as being too soft, but it's by this guy, Hubert Jolie, who was the CEO of Best Buy and uh, an ex-McKinsey consultant. And he talks about the purpose of a company and the purpose of a company is solving problems for its users. And then in return, that is rewarding to employees, including sellers. And in return, that drives profit for the business. And I love it. Like it's it's actually really well written. It resonates really well. I think one of the things I always try to find is that win, win, win between the business, the customers, the employees. And, you know, it's amazing that Best Buy, this like brick and mortar resource has actually thrived in the age of Amazon. And this principle, the heart of business, has been a really big reason for that. And I think if you go into a Best Buy, you'll see that their sellers are very customer-centric. And that's something I love. And then my last favorite would be the book Grit. Um, I say my all-time favorite word is tenacity, like that ability to just like, hold on and break through any obstacle in your path. But this book, Grit, kind of merges tenacity with the purpose of helping customers or the purpose of a business or the purpose of anything. And I think that combination of purpose plus tenacity fits really well with what an elite seller should be. Um, The ability to break through any obstacle in your path while fulfilling a purpose. And that purpose has to be this like mission of solving problems for your customer while rewarding your business.
2: Love it. I can honestly say I don't think we've heard a single one of those. So well done on bringing some fresh material to the pod.
1: Appreciate that.
2: Of course. All right, Keith. So let's wrap it up here. Last and final
1: question. How do you define an elite seller? So probably no surprise at this point. Somebody customer focused. Ability to understand the customer, resonate with them, and connect your message of what your company has to offer them to solve their pain. Um, second, again, no surprise what we just talked about, tenacity or grit. The person who's willing to go through the extra effort, find ways to solve problems for their customers and willing to kind of do that extra work that we talked about, whether it's recording that extra video or going back into the deal room and pulling the information and sticking it in a different format just so I can consume it. That extra mile, that tenacity, that grit is super important. Um, and when you bring these two things together, the customer centricity And the grit, that's somebody I want to work with again. Like they're solving problems for me. They're not selling to me. They're solving problems. And that's what I love. And that's what I love to see in my team because I know they're going to help my customer. That's going to lead to business results. That's going to lead to happy customers. And that's going to lead to growth for the seller.
2: Keith, thanks for joining the podcast today. So many good takeaways. If you're enjoying the podcast, do us a favor, like, subscribe, share it out with a friend or two. It would mean the world to us. Four takeaways with Keith. Be authentic. Bring your own personality to the sales cycle. Do your homework and finally make it easy for your customers to buy from you. Keith, thanks again for joining us today. Hope to have you on again soon.